Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Get ready for success. Leadership Strategies for Women is a show dedicated to providing practical and valuable strategies for emerging women leaders of today. It's your time to get inspired, motivated, and challenged to achieve your vision for success. And now, here's leadership speaker and coach, Ellie Nieves. This is the Leadership Strategies for Women podcast, and I'm your host, Ellie Nieves. I'm the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women, where I develop seminars and webinars to help high-achieving women show up, speak up, and step up in their careers. To learn more, please visit my website at leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com, or you can follow the Leadership Strategies for Women page on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Here to talk to us today about executive communication is Lisa Morris. With more than 25 years of marketing experience, Lisa is currently the Assistant Vice President of Public Relations and Corporate Communications for Hudson Valley Credit Union. Her career has spanned a variety of industries, including PR consulting, television on-air sales, manufacturing, and engineering. Her responsibilities include all PR efforts, financial literacy programs, community outreach, and governmental relations across the credit union's 12-county field of membership, from Westchester and Rockland counties hugging the Hudson River up to Albany and Saratoga. A proven marketing and public relations leader, she's served many local nonprofits, including Duchess Outreach, the Chamber Foundation, Miles of Hope, and most recently, the Dutchess Community College Foundation as secretary of the foundation's board. She's been honored for her community service and leadership by the Dutchess County Regional Chamber with a community service award and an Athena honor, as well as by New Horizons Resources, Inc. with their leadership award. Lisa and her husband, Phil, live in the city of Poughkeepsie and enjoy traveling and spending time with their six grandchildren. Lisa, welcome to the Leadership Strategies for Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ellie. So Lisa, you have a varied background in public relations. Tell me what inspired you to enter your field. Well, um, when I was growing up, my, um, my grandparents tell me that they nicknamed me Sarah or Sarah Bernhardt because I was such a, a little drama queen when I was a little child. <laughs> And I always seemed to be good at creating stories or entertaining myself or putting on a show or this and that. So I kind of feel like I've always sort of been a communicator by nature. Um, I'm, I'm very outgoing. I like to talk to people. I like to learn what makes them tick and things like that. So it sort of fell naturally to me as I was going through high school and then college that I wanted some kind of job, a, a career, a future where I dealt with people. Um, my, I grew up in a family that uh, owned its own business. My stepfather had his own fish market. So from the age of 12, I was working on the weekends, um, pulling lobsters out of lobster tanks and things like that. And doing, uh, I, I would write his books for him each week because he had a wholesale side of the business as well. So I did all his invoices for him. 
Um, so I learned pretty early on, you know, through high school, I, I did a lot of sales jobs and things like that, retail, as most of us do when we're teenagers. Um, and I realized I, I, I wanted to do something along those lines, but not necessarily direct sales. So I feel like I'm much better in the public relations realm where there's so much more relationship building um, and there's not as many quotas necessarily. <laughs> got it. Got it. So communication. When did you know that this was the area that you wanted to go into? I really was originally trying to go into journalism when I went into college. Uh, I went to Dutch Community College. I'm, I'm a proud alum of my local community college. And it was actually while I was at Duchess that I realized that path wasn't quite right for me. Uh, when I was growing up, Jessica Savage was a very famous uh, reporter at the time. She, she was one of the first to break those glass ceilings in the 70s and 80s. And I, I wanted to be that kind of a reporter with hard-edged news and this and that. <clears throat> and then one day in class, our, our journalism teacher, who himself was only about two years out of college, said, um, okay, I want you all to write a, an original story this weekend. And we were kind of like, what, what are we gonna do? And he says, well, go get a police scanner and listen for an accident and go report on it. And I was kind of like, I'm gonna go to a car accident and report on a car accident. And I'm thinking, I, I don't wanna put a microphone in somebody's face and say, wow, you just told your car, how do you feel? Um, Cause I think we all know they probably feel badly. Um, but, but I realized that I was good at communicating ideas and stories. And so I wanted to find a way to take that into the corporate realm. And actually, after I finished my community college, since I was paying for myself the way many people do also, I decided to take a break before finishing my four years. And during that time, a friend of a friend um, suggested that I apply for a job at, at the credit union. And so I actually started working at the credit union when it was at the time IBM Poughkeepsie Employees Federal Credit Union back in 1988. And I went to work as a marketing assistant for a fabulous vice president who was a great communicator. And over the next 15 years, I was given the opportunity to really learn in the trenches at the same time as I went back to school for my bachelor's degree um, what it's like to be a marketer and a communicator and, and someone in the public relations realm. So uh, Nan was a great mentor, Nan Greenwood. And um, we used to call ourselves two peas in a pod. <laughs> um, so it was, it was the type of career really where it sort of just evolved naturally. Uh, and, I, and I learned the ropes of communicating corporate messages as well as internal messages to staff and, and things like that over those first 15 years. And, and it was a really great evolution. It was, it was a baptism by fire in a, in a little way sometimes too. That's great to hear. So what are some of the challenges that you faced as you were trying to get ahead in your career? I, I think one of the, the challenges, and it, it sounds pretty um, slight, but my industry that I've chosen to be in for most of my career, financial services, is quite conservative in nature. And it's not necessarily a, a brand pushing brand, you know, your, your bleeding edge with messaging and things like that. So it has been interesting at times and I, over my career at various companies, because I haven't just worked in financial services, but 
many times it's convincing the C-suite of the true importance of marketing and public relations and, and having them understand, especially when many of them come from a finance background, um, there aren't many marketers who grow up to be CEOs, but I'm, I'm proud right now to work for one. Our CEO at the credit union actually began her career in marketing. Um, but, but being able to explain with clarity and emphasis why marketing and public relations is so important to the business and what it can do to promote the health and growth of the business. I, I think that that's challenging sometimes, was for me as a young marketer, and I, and I think it can be for others too. So as I read in your bio, you have worked across different industries and not necessarily related industries. How has that been, being able to take your skill set and apply it to different industries? Uh, it, it's been really good. I, I left the credit union after 15 years because I was ready to try something different. And for a couple of years, I actually sold products on one of the large cable shopping networks. Uh, I was a brand distributor and, and demonstrator, and, and that was absolutely one of the most fun jobs I've ever had in my entire career. Um, wasn't necessarily the best way to make money. And, and so my husband suggested that perhaps I might want to pursue that corporate angle again. So, so I went back to work for actually um, a manufacturing firm. And I remember that when someone approached me actually to come work for them, it was a gentleman I knew in the community and he took me to lunch and he threw the company's brochures across the lunch table. And he said, and pardon my French, these are crap. I need you to fix them. <laughs> and I said, really? He goes, yeah. He says, I've seen what you can do at United Way and other things that we worked on together. He says, I, I need you. Um, so I, I went to work for Rick and, and the manufacturing firm. And it was that was really the first time that I realized that all of the skills that I had learned over the years are transferable. And the idea of communicating clearly, telling stories that are bringing your products to life and giving people a reason to understand how and why they need them in their lives is transferable across any industry. And, and actually when I was ready to move on from that and I pursued a job at an engineering firm, when I was in my interview for the, for the position, they actually said to me, you know, we, we're really honestly not so sure about this. You know, you're, you're really a marketing person and you know, you're, you're not an engineer. And I said, well, yes, but the position that's open is for marketing your engineering firm. And they're like, yeah, but you know, you don't have an engineering background. And I said, well, that's because if I had an engineering background, I'd be an engineer. I said, I'd probably be making a lot more money also. I said, but, um, but I was able to, to show them the value of what a professional in the communications and marketing area can bring to the company. Um, and, and it's just been, it's been fun breaking down those misconceptions sometimes with people that, that don't understand that those types of skills are transferable. So how have the skills that you employ with your, let's call them clients or your employers, been transferable to your own leadership development? How have you used it to get ahead in your own career? That's a great question. I, um, I, I'm one of those people who has not been as deliberate as I think 
people think I was in terms of my progression in my career. I think the most important thing that I've learned along the way is that it's so much more important to listen rather than speak. Um, I, I feel as if when I'm able to connect with people by knowing what it is that makes them tick and what their needs are, it's easier for me to find where I fit in best to help them with that. And, and that's served me well. I, I also, um, many years ago, I met a gentleman named Joe Sweeney, a wonderful public speaker, um, coach. He actually uh, was one of the first people to help um, sports caster, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, sports figures get their multi-million dollar contracts for um, endorsements and things like that. And he wrote a book on networking that talks really about servant leadership and that when you go into any situation, not thinking what is in it for me, but what can I do for someone else, that really puts your mindset in a different place from a lot of other people in the room. And, and I have always found that what goes around comes around. And, and so when I'm kind to people, when I'm good at listening, when I'm good at providing them what it is that they need, when I'm in a position that I need something, I have a bunch of people that I can count on that can, uh, that can lift me up and, and move me ahead. So do you have any executive communication tips that you could share with our listeners that you think would be instrumental in helping them get ahead? Wow, there's, there's so many, but I, I, I really think one of the most important things is you have to know your audience and you have to understand not only what it is that you want to tell them, but how you think they will receive that information best. I've worked for people who love email. That's the only way they want to communicate with their staff. That's it. And, and in some respects, that's okay. But there are other people that will say, well, I, boy, I, I'd really like to hear from this person. And an email isn't quite the same as being able to do a speech to a, a group of staff or, or something like that. So I think it's important to understand first what it is that your audience needs from you and then be able to communicate yourself clearly, succinctly, and briefly. I, I do believe that there are, and sometimes I am guilty of this, but I, I like to go on and on. <laughs> so are there any ways that you recommend that people learn some of these tips? How can they put them into practice? I think the best thing really to do is to do just that is to practice. When um, I, 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 it's kind of funny, but when I was a little kid, I remember sitting with like a bottle of shampoo and reading the ingredients off the back of it, just so I could test myself to see how I pronounced words. And, and that became something that I enjoy public speaking and I, and I, I like doing it and I'm comfortable in front of an audience. I think that when you are a communicator, especially in a leadership position, you need to find a way to get yourself comfortable with doing conversations both as one-on-one -on -one with people in small groups and, and in large groups. And, and I'll admit, not everyone is a great public speaker, but I do believe that people can improve in how they communicate, especially when they're doing public speaking, 
by simply practicing and practicing with someone who really will give you some good feedback. I think there's many times when, of course, it's easy to surround yourself with yes men. Oh, you did a great job. That was so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. It really takes a good leader to be able to take criticism and, and put it into action without feeling as if you're being criticized. Um, criticism really should be something that makes us grow. And, and I think that people really can't, they don't take advantage, I think, as often as they should of listening to what others think about them. Good advice. So you recently coordinated a women's leadership conference for the Hudson Valley Credit Union. Yeah. Why do you think it's so important for us to host these types of conference, conferences for women in particular? You know, it's so interesting because I, I think to myself back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, one of, one of my mentors was a much older woman in the financial services industry. And, and I was blessed to know Liz for uh, the last 25 years of her life. And I think about her career in banking in the 70s and, and how things are so different. And yet in some instances, things haven't changed. And the credit union started to do our women in business conference four years ago, and it's grown every year, even, even despite the pandemic and the fact that we had to go virtual the last two years, but there really is a desire for women to connect with each other on a business level, on a professional level to, to really help lift one another up. And, and I think that that's been such a, a great message that we've all learned at the credit union from hosting this. We, we felt there was a need. We weren't quite sure exactly how it would stack up. We know there are other groups that have, that have put together women in business type sessions. But the fact that we got a bunch of people in the same room who are from all different professions, who also were at all levels of their careers, some were entrepreneurs, some were those just considering, should I start my own business? Do I really want to take the leap? And others like myself have pretty much worked for corporations all their entire careers. But when you get a bunch of women in the room like that, it's, it's fantastic to see how much they're willing to share with each other. And, and the lessons that go back and forth, not just from the speakers that we provide, uh, we were so lucky to have you on our, on our leadership uh, communication session but just the interaction with the the players in the audience, it, it's really great to see. And, and there is still a need. I hate to say, you know, we're not, we're not at the top of every single industry yet. We're getting close, but. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. So you and I had a, an informal exchange about how you feel that you are in that part of your life now where you're thinking about the future, where you're thinking about what would happen after retirement. And you were thinking that perhaps um, getting to retirement is not a place where you see yourself stopping uh, from engaging in, in meaningful work. Tell us about that. Tell us about how you're thinking about your future. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I, I've been fortunate enough to have a long enough career at the credit union that, that technically I can retire in like under five years. And yet I think to myself, you know, most people think of retirement like, oh, great, I get to sleep late, you know, I get to travel, I get to do this. Uh, it, to me, suddenly, it's, it's almost like it's staring me in the face, like, wow, what would I do? And I started, uh, my husband's a little older than I am, and actually, he retired last year. 
And I've watched his progression because his, unfortunately, was a a COVID-related retirement. So it wasn't necessarily planned. And he's adjusted in different ways. And we've talked to a lot of our friends in the last few years. And the thing I keep coming back to is I really think I need to develop a plan because the people I see who have retired without a plan seem a little more lost. And it's great to have free time. But when you're someone like me, who's really been in that nine to five world for so many years, the thought of not having a purpose of, of not necessarily knowing, not maybe exactly what I'm going to do each day, but how I'm going to make a difference. Um, My 93 year old mother-in-law actually says to us sometimes, she's a little concerned. She's, she's getting on in years and she says, what's my purpose? Why am I 93 and why am I still here? What is it for? Um, And there's things that we find every once in a while, you know, she'll tell a story from back in the day that one of the great grandchildren would be like, I never knew you did that. And we're like, mom, that's a little bit of the purpose right now, you know, being able to connect. So I look at, you know, what I've done in the past and, you know, I, I thought about building a studio in my house and doing some voiceover work and, I would love to be a travel blogger because I just love traveling. Um, And and I feel I'm I'm understanding why more and more I read about women my age and older starting to feel like they're at a new point in their life where they really can try anything and that I'm fortunate enough to have been taking my own financial literacy advice and, and saving up and things like that. So it's not as scary, maybe, to take a leap and do something completely different than what I had been doing for my career. So, but but yeah, having that kind of like sneaking up, it's not, it's almost like it's sneaking up on me. <laughs> and I really love that perspective because I completely agree. I've seen uh, many people in my own family often retire without a plan. And there is that feeling of being lost or not feeling like they're making a meaningful contribution. And I remember a good friend of mine whose parents retired and seemed to be living really rich lives. And when I think about retirement, they're like a model for me. So the mother was very active in an investment club with other women. So she spent you know, much of her time you know, researching uh, stocks. Uh, the father was into uh, carpentry and he would help uh, with local ministries and help with uh, Habitat for Humanity. And then they would go on these like really fun international trips for like two, three, four weeks at a time. So they had a really rich uh, perspective when they entered retirement. And I I agree that we need to think about what that next phase in our life is going to be like. And it's never too soon to start thinking about that so that when you get there, you're not surprised. Yeah. My, um, my grandfather worked for many, many years in the automotive industry and saved and he and my grandmother always talked about when we retire, we're going to go to Florida. When I retire, we're going to go to Florida. And unfortunately, my grandmother got ill um, just before he retired and she passed away, sadly. And my grandfather said, I, I'm retired. I'm going to Florida. And he did it. But he really became like he was just retired in Florida. And I loved him dearly. But he, he had his own circle of friends and, and, and that was about it. But it was, but I looked at that and I'm thinking, how do you just stop? And, and how do you, I, I can't, 
I can't see myself sitting and watching Netflix every day for seven days a week. I've got to do something. Um, and, and really when people think about it, there is so much need these days. I, you know, we talk about the big quit and, and how there's, there's so many fewer people that are actually in the workforce these days. That's going to hit our nonprofit industry very hard from a volunteer perspective. I, I feel like these younger generations that number one, there's fewer people in their generation. Number two, they're starting their families later. They have children that are in 12 different activities after school. And, and this is a generation that doesn't necessarily have as much time to volunteer and help these organizations. So I feel like baby boomers and the late Gen Xers where, where I am are gonna be in demand for those types of volunteer positions. Absolutely. So Lisa, what's next for you personally? Oh, well, getting through the holidays. <laughs> as I mentioned, I have six, as you mentioned, I have six grandchildren all under the age of 10. So, so wrapping alone is, is a, a whole task. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to next year and hopefully really getting beyond what we've all been going through with this pandemic. Um, you know, my, as I mentioned, my husband and I really love to travel and we haven't been able to do a lot of that, obviously. And, and I'm, and I'm not quite comfortable yet either, but, um, but just getting back out and being able to go to some places that we've never been before and, and getting back into that exploration period where we can just go and have a good time. I, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and career wise, I'm, you know, the credit union is, is growing, exponentially. And, and it's amazing to me that, I mean, when I started working for the credit union, I, I think we barely had 200 employees. Now we have 800, excuse me, 800. Um, and we're over 6 billion in assets. And the, the move into our new territories that we haven't been in before, like Westchester and Rockland, moving north to Albany, I'm in my job, I, I have what I consider the fun stuff because I really get to go to these communities and get to know the people. I get to see what types of nonprofits are out there helping other people in the community. And that to me is really exciting as, as we move forward. That's great. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I am on LinkedIn or uh, if they'd like to email me. They can email me at M-O-R-R-L at H-V-C-U.org. It's, uh, it's easy. The first four letters of my last name, M-O-R-R, my first initial L at, and it's the abbreviation for the credit union, H-V-C-U.org. Great. Lisa, thank you so much. You've really given us a lot to think about when it comes to executive communication, and we really uh, enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me, Ellie, and have a wonderful holiday. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, until next time, God bless. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.